Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by Ad Omni. Ad Omni, the easy way to sell billboards online, out of home, in your hands. Today's guest is Melody Roberts. She's the founder and CEO of Out of Home Creative, an out-of-home advertising design firm based in Atlanta, Georgia, which designs billboards and digitals to any non-traditional media. Melody is an award-winning and OB-nominated designer who has been in the out-of-home industry since 1999. Welcome to the show, Melody. Hi, Dave. Thank you for having me. It's a delight to have you. Can you talk a little bit about your background, Melody, and how you got into out-of-home? Sure. When I started design, I was in high school and I worked for an advertising agency. And then I moved into computer graphics for a printing company. When I moved to Atlanta, I designed pre-show on-screen advertising for Regal Cinemas Nationwide. And that's when I realized I really enjoy large format advertising. At that time, Eller Media, who was later purchased by Clear Channel, approached me to become their creative director. And this led me to a 15-year career as the Southeast Regional Creative Director. And in 2015, I went out on my own and launched Out of Home Creative. Melody, what does a regional creative director do? For Clear Channel, it was a hybrid role. I was the creative director for the Atlanta market and as well as served as the regional creative director for the Southeast, where I mentored and supported 11 designers across the region. Part of my responsibilities were identifying and streamlining insufficient procedures and processes nationally to boost sales productivity and identify and design and present local advertising concepts into national opportunities. Terrific. So you advised a bunch of designers for 15 years. What were some of the lessons or what are some of the principles of good out-of-home design that have come out of your experience? When I started in out-of-home design, I don't really think that I understood it myself completely for probably Hmm. the first three years. I kept trying to understand this medium. It's so much different than anything that I believe that anybody will design. There were a lot of people that I mentored. There were a lot of people that I brought in from the art schools to intern that did not have a lot of experience with out of home. So it's something that that takes a while to understand. I believe that you either stay in this industry or you just simply use it as, as a stepping stone to your next career path, or if it's in design, it's something that I've learned over the years that it takes a lot of understanding what a client's needs are and how to Mm. place that onto a structure so people can see it and really take something away from it, some type of emotion that gets them to want to look back at that advertisement over and over again. What are some other things that are key to good out-of-home design? Strategic placement, balance, color, contrast, size and scale, and I think most importantly, emphasis on what should be be emphasized. This could be an image, tagline, a website. It's it's really important to have a focal point to draw the viewer's attention to mm-hmm. a specific design element. That's that's quite a bit, Melody. Can you unpack each of those items? Strategic placement is key because generally people read left to right. So if we're speaking about billboards, digitals, airport displays, benches, 
bus panels, digital mobile, people are generally going to read left to right. So I'm going to normally put a lot of my content on the left and I'm going to put my imagery on the right. If I'm designing transit, that shifts a little bit because I'm going to be working up to down. But where you place something is key to how somebody internalizes it, reads it, Mm. views it, all of that whole encompass of how somebody takes in that advertisement. You need to have your balance, right? If I see something where on a billboard, for example, I call it kind of, you know, chopped up into threes and you put content on the left, maybe an image in the middle and then more content on the right. It's very chopped up. Mm. And if somebody's driving 70 miles an hour on the interstate, I highly doubt they're going to be able to really have a good flow with that ad and take away, you know, something that really needed to be emphasized on it. That, you know, also is alignment. You don't want to have things that are not balanced and centered and aligned properly. If it's off balance, that can be very difficult to the eye as well. So does balance mean you don't want to visually overload just one particular part of the board? Yes. And also I've seen advertisements that I've rated for Billboard Insider where Mm -hmm. I'll see a headline on the left or an image in the middle and then a starburst on the right. And then somebody's taken a phone number and an address and placed them in not directly in the middle and then the website not directly on the right. There's no there's no alignment or balance there. It's got to have a proper flow Mm. for the eye to go left to right, up to down. So I feel like color and contrast go together. I mean, a lot of, we're always educating our clients and designers and account executives and leadership. You know, we're all working together to educate people that are new to out of home about what colors and contrast work best. And they are different when you talk about traditional versus digital. Let's start with traditional out of home or vinyl printed out of home. Give us some color rules of thumb. Sure. So on traditional, I wouldn't normally put a bright red on a black background because dark Mm. colors on dark colors don't, aren't usually visible. But on digital, I would put a bright red on black because when you go to that digital dimension in contrast, it really pops and creates that urgency. And it's it's beautiful, really. Going back to traditional, I'm going to kind of jump back and forth. Going back to traditional, something like a yellow font on top of like a hot pink background, that's going to vibrate. It's not going to contrast properly. By simply making that information white on that dark pink, it's going to give it proper contrast And it's going to look really, really nice. So it's you want to make sure that the eye isn't vibrating on colors that don't mix well together. And you also want to understand that the colors that we put on traditional are completely different than what we do with digital. Another example of that, some clients will want that neon fluorescent green or yellow on a vinyl. And it doesn't really translate because we're in four color process. So unless you're actually paying to have the color through the printer to be fluorescent or neon, I'm not sure you're really going to get it. It's going to come out muted. On digital, though, we can make it that beautiful, vibrant yellow and that yellow green and 
fluorescent looking blue and it, it translates re- really, really well. It's very eye-popping. Melody, you one time were not happy with one of my billboards that used sky blue. Talk about that. I think that it's important to understand the placement of the board and what is surrounding it. Is your board high up and all that is behind it is the blue sky? Do you have a lot of trees behind your board? Is the city your background behind your board? I think this is important with how your board is designed. If I am designing a board where the city is behind it, I'm probably going to use more vibrant colors like purples or a dark pink or a yellow, maybe even a white, something that's going to assist the board to step out of that cityscape and put more focus on it. If I'm designing a board that is up in the sky and the only thing behind it is a blue sky, then I don't believe that your board should also be blue because it's going to wash out in the background. Again, you need to bring it to the forefront and make it stand out. Using that same color, I don't think helps it unless you're specifically designing a look so that background of the board fades away. So, and that's a case by case basis, but generally my tip is don't use a light or sky blue when your billboard backdrop is the sky. Makes sense. How about size and scale? The size and scale is so important with out of home because we have to focus on things that need to be read or seen very quickly if it's motorist facing. If I don't put enough emphasis on the size of something to be read and it's missed, then nobody's going to be able to see it. It's the same thing with a photo. If we're trying to get a photo across as the main focal point and it's very, very small, one thing that I always tell clients that want to incorporate their picture, for instance. Mm-hmm. I had a client in the past that always wanted their bodies on the board. Well, if you're on a 14 by 40 billboard on the interstate, you're going to look very, very tiny. So my tip there on size and scale is we always take the photograph from the chest up. And that way I can really see your face if that's what you're wanting to to get across or your product. We need to be able to scale it right so it's the correct size for out of home. Otherwise it's going to come out too small and people are going to miss it completely. Let's stop here for a word from our sponsor. Ad Omni increases your billboard revenue by selling unsold ad space at top dollar. Whether you have Watchfire, Formidco, or Dactronics billboards, Ad Omni easily integrates. Get started selling in as little as one business day on the fastest growing out-of-home network of over 60,000 digital screens. Visit adomni.com or call 844-ADOMNI to speak with an Ad Omni billboard specialist. Mention this Billboard Insider podcast to receive one free year of Ad Omni's white-labeled booking engine on your website. Melody, what are some of the common design mistakes that you see? I think logos and phone numbers being emphasized on out-of-home structures that are primarily for motorists. I'm not saying they don't have their place, but unless it's a vanity number, I don't believe most drivers have the time to write down a phone number. And I don't feel that companies design their logos with out-of-home in mind. So generally, they don't translate well for outdoor. You know, when, when you write columns where you rate billboards, I think a common complaint 
your probably most common complaint is too small, logo too small. You know, I think that if it's pedestrian-facing structures like transit benches, airports displays, where it's easier to see smaller elements or more information, I think that 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 is good. But when you're dealing with uh, regular billboards or posters or digital, I don't believe that they're seen very well unless your client is Coke, who only needs to put their logo up there just for brand recognition and remember that we're out here, you're thirsty, stop anywhere and get a Coke. I think that the logos don't generally translate well. I think that what I call the golden egg is if your client's name is also their website. And if that's the case, then you can make that your focal point in one contact instead of adding the physical address and the phone number. It frees up so much space. It lets the people just concentrate on who they are and they'll remember that as they drive by, they'll Google it on their phone and then they'll be able to get all of that information, the phone, the address, reviews about their business and more. I will tell you that I had a client recently who had never done out of home and they wanted to put their website on the board, which was also their name, which was great. They had a very vertical logo with their name, super small and it was not going to be able to be seen. It was a 14 by 48 bulletin. It was pretty low to the ground, but the logo, it was not good. And so I kept encouraging them just to focus on their website to do what I just said. Hmm. Let people remember their name as they drive by and to Google it. And he said, then why do I need outdoor if they're just going to go to their phone? And I said, because without outdoor, they wouldn't even know to Google you. All of these platforms work together for your advertising and outdoor is the presence that never goes away, that it's going to keep reminding people to go to your website to find out more information. Melody, are there any other problems or mistakes people make when they're designing out of home? I think another one is people designing out of home without out of home design experience. I received calls from business owners who hired a designer that didn't have out of, out of home experience or the out of home company didn't employ a designer and the client wasn't happy with their outcome. By the time the business owner contacts me, it's usually a rush because they're running up on their posting date or missed it. And they're willing to spend more money and time to get it right. I, I think it's important when you hire someone that you view their works, so you really get a sense of their design style and clients can see for themselves whether they feel confident with who they're working with. Melody, it seems to me there's a cost value relationship to out-of-home design. In other words, you get what you pay for. Can you unpack that? I do believe that. I believe that you get what you don't pay for. I think that if you have someone that doesn't have the experience or a lot on their plate or somebody who is only doing what the client wants, I think that that can be an issue and a result in possibly poor out-of-home design. You mentioned earlier, Melody, for instance, that it took you how many years, you think, to really understand good design? It took me about three years to really feel confident designing out-of-home. Yes. And again, the people that I trained, mentored, they didn't have out-of-home experience at all. We, we have to start somewhere. But the art schools, for instance, I only saw maybe one out-of-home project in their portfolio 
which was upsetting to me because I'm so passionate about out of home and I think it's so important. And so educating them on how to design it every time they were like, this is so different from everything that I've ever done because when people are designing on their computers and it's right in front of them, and this is for any designer or agency, um, anybody that's designing, when you are sitting in front of your computer, putting these advertisements together, clearly you can read it and it looks good. But I would challenge you to use, you know, the OAAA drive tool or a tool where you can superimpose what you designed and look at that from 100, 300, 600 feet away and really see if what you put together is actually going to be read on the street. Mm -hmm. I, I did an, a, a blog myself, Can You Read This Digital, on my website because, you know, I, I drive around all the time and I look at outdoor and I want to get ideas. I want to see what's working, what didn't work and why. And that is so key when you're designing something to be able to look back at what you yourself are doing and check yourself and make sure that it might look good on my screen, but I just looked at it 600 feet away and I can't see anything. Mm -hmm. So Melody, I've got a client, I've gone out, I found a client. They, they've never done out of home. They say to me, we want to do out of home. What do we have to do? What does an ad have to look, look like? But we're really excited about out of home. How can I, as a small out of home exec, use out of home designer most effectively in the process? For me, it's giving me the opportunity to participate in the client creative call. This allows me to ask design questions that are not normally found in a creative brief because each category of business will be different. This is when I can dive into who they are, what they're selling, how we can emphasize the most critical elements to execute a great out-of-home advertisement. It's when I can go over their wish list and bring that, you know, down to a tier level of importance. It's it's part of the out-of-home creative process. If we gain the client's trust, I believe they're more willing to give us creative freedom. That allows me to design a more conceptual look over, over informative because most new clients, they tend to forward their business card or a small print ad and then want it to be reformatted for out-of-home. And generally, they, you know, they don't know how to apply these advertising platforms to large format printing. And it's our job in this industry to help them understand that this worked for this, but for out of home, we need to focus on just certain key elements. Terrific. Melody, I'd like to finish up the this interview with an overrated or underrated segment. So I'll say a phrase and you tell me if it's overrated or underrated and why. Billboard stunts. I think they're underrated. I think that they're really fun. Doing a teaser reveal, for example, is something that I haven't seen done in a long time. And I try to do that with digital clients whenever I get the opportunity. It just gets, gets people looking back over and over again at advertisements to see who's advertising, what's coming, what's all the excitement about. And I mean, that's the beauty of having a teaser reveal is that we get people continually looking at our advertisers. Those stunts can be so memorable. I think of the vegetable stunt done up in Michigan in Grand Rapids where 
the stunt was just a picture of a melon or a fruit. And yes. people were wondering, what the heck is this? And it turned into a campaign for the local grocery store playing up fresh produce. It's genius and it's simple and it's why it's why our medium works. I mean, it gets people, it creates the buzz. I mean, it's, 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 it's wonderful. So I think it's underrated and I think people should be trying to sell more of that. Billboard extensions. I think they're underrated. I, I think that if you can, if your client has the budget and the structure doesn't have restrictions and your operations team is able to handle the request, then we should always be trying to upsell the capabilities of our industry. A billboard snipe. I think that I do. I, I think it's underrated as well. I think snipes can really help an advertiser that really is focused on their budget. Can, can you explain a snipe to the audience? Of course, of course. I would explain it as a very big sticker. I'm going to give you an example. If an apartment complex is in the process of leasing and opening new construction, then an apartment complex can do a billboard and say leasing soon. And then they can come back a month later and put a snipe over it, just like a big sticker. And instead of saying leasing soon, it can say now open. So they're really getting that two in one at a friendly budget price. So I think that I think it's a great way for us to offer something like that to our clients. Terrific. And then the last over or underrated 3D billboards. I think that they're amazing. I think it's what or at least I strive to do every time I design something that can handle a prop that goes back to if you know, your structure doesn't have restrictions and your ops team is able to handle it. We should always be trying to upsell that because it really sets that billboard apart from a competitor. It creates so much buzz in the market and it really brings so much presence to the advertiser that is doing it. That's it for this week. Thanks for appearing on the podcast, Melody. You're welcome. You can contact Melody about your out-of-home advertising needs at outofhomecreative.com. Thanks to Lucas Jones for editing and production. This podcast was sponsored by Ad Omni. Ad Omni, the easy way to sell billboards online, out of home in your hands. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider podcast by visiting billboardinsider.com or by subscribing to the Billboard Insider podcast on iTunes, Android, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Our email is billboardinsider at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with an interview with Kim Frank, president of Geopath.